Scripture reading this morning is Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 8. The Bible in front of you in the pew, uh, it's page 770. The book of Acts is an extension of um, Dr. Luke's uh, writings, and so he's now speaking of um, Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. So chapter 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If I was to say something to you about the year 1963 and whether you're so young that you don't remember it, like me. I can just barely remember something maybe about 1963. If we say something about 1963, people are going to think about Kennedy's assassination. November 22nd, 1963. It was a major event in the world, not just in the United States, but around the world. But there was an event that took place earlier than that, the same year, which may have been more significant. On August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. stood up in front of about 200,000 people who had marched on Washington, and he talked about a dream as part of the civil rights movement. It became one of the most famous speeches in history, probably one of the most quoted And the crescendo of this speech comes as King exhorts his hearers to be hopeful despite what they see. Because although in the United States, since 1863, there had been the Emancipation Proclamation, still there was a great extent to which African Americans were not free. And so King begins to talk about his dream and his dream for freedom. And about the hopefulness that needs to be there, despite what they see, perhaps, as a lack of hopefulness. And so he's talking to this group of 200,000 people, and he says these words. He says, go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and the ghettos of our northern cities. Knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, that in spite of the difficulties and frustrations of the moment, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. 
I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a desert state, sweltering with the heat of injustice and oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. And he says that because of all the the problems that he had just faced in Mississippi. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day the state of Alabama, whose governor's lips are presently dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, will be transformed into a situation where little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls and walk together as sisters and brothers. Now, what's interesting about that comment, he talks about the governor of Alabama, who was George Wallace at the time. And I remember that in 1968, my father voted for George Wallace. This was a man who stood out in front of the University of Alabama and wouldn't let African Americans enter. He says, I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will, meet, will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith with which I return to the south. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we'll be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will one day be free. Well, it was that speech and a lot of other activities that went with it, that made it so that those who are of a different skin color than white do have more freedom in North America than they used to have. And, of course, as a father of an African-American child, I must admit that means an awful lot to me. And I know that for many of you, it means an awful lot. And it should. One of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. was doing, despite problems in his own life, there were various difficulties there. One of the things that he was definitely doing was standing up for what he believed that God would have people be and do. That if a people was going to be a people that stood for the Lord, that one of the things that they would stand for would be equality among men and women. And that there wouldn't be prejudice based on the color of one's skin. Well, all of that means a great deal to me. What's maybe the most significant thing is that there have been real changes that have come about because of that. I think he was absolutely right when he says in that speech, things have not changed as much as they need to change. And that's why we're marching. We want to bring about some real change here. Instead of just talking about the change, we want to see real change take place. And when I think about what it means to be a Christian, 
when I think about what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ, I'm filled with the same kind of desire to see things change, for things to be really different, for them not to stay the same. We can talk about change, but King didn't want to just talk about change. He wanted people to genuinely experience freedom. And when I look at our world today, and I think of the message that we have in Jesus that calls us to go and to work to change our world, oh, I want to see the change. I want to see something radical and different take place in our world. Because Jesus is Lord, and he wants our world to be different than it is. Now, one of the neatest things about being a Christian, Susan, I'll say this to you because you're just brand new to this, okay? At least as part of us and as part of this baptized group of believers. One of the neatest things about all of this is what Jesus himself says in Acts chapter 1 about what it means for us to be a Christian. You heard the passage read already this morning. And what's happened is that Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, he's been with the disciples for 40 days, and he's talking the whole time he's with them about the kingdom. And when he's talking about the kingdom, he's not talking about what's going to come in the future for them in heaven, he's talking about what he wants to have happen right here, right now, as people take the good news about Jesus into the world. Because here's the point. The world, just like Martin Luther King recognized about his world, needs badly for change to take place. Something needs to happen. And he recognized that he had the ability, the chance, because God was working through him, to bring about some change. And what I recognize about the body of Jesus Christ is exactly the same thing. That we are people who have the privilege, the responsibility, the opportunity to bring about real change, real impact in our world for the good. I know that for about three things specifically that are in this passage that it says God has done for us. And I guess our screen's probably gone out. Is that right, Colin? Thanks. We're in the process of getting a new projector. It's not here yet. So we knew this would happen. Okay? Here are three things that afford us incredible hope. And, and as King, you know, King's standing before 200,000 people and he's saying to them, it looks like there's been no change. It looks like we can't get this done. It looks like the government is going to continue to be oppressive against us. But I got to tell you, go back to Georgia, go back to Alabama, and go back to Mississippi with some hope. And when I look at our world and I think, oh man, things are not so great. Sometimes it seems to me like there's not the chance for things to change as much as we want them to change. And what I want to say this morning is that there is reason, wonderful reason, for us to hope. And it's based in at least these three things that come out of this passage. The first thing is this vision for the future of the kingdom. Jesus says things will be different. My kingdom is going to come. And when the disciples say, when is it going to come? How is it going to come? He says, don't worry so much about those things. Just understand that it's coming. And so if you ever think to yourself, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to have the impact on our world that we want to have. 
When, when I look at the problems in society, when I look at the wars around the world, when I look at the addictions, when I look at the abuse of people, when I look at the abuse of children, the abuse of women, when I look at the ways in which people are denied their rights and prevented freedom, when I look at the fact that ever since I was a little boy, there's been nothing but wars the whole time I've been alive, when I think about the people who come here day after day after day to our building, one of whom may be sitting out there right now because I gave him some food 15 minutes ago. And who comes here day after day and wh- whose life I want to see changed, but sometimes I just feel so frustrated because the life doesn't get changed. When I look at all of that and all that goes on in the world, I just think, is there a chance that we can really impact things? Can we really hope to change lives? Can we have influence? And the answer in Acts chapter 1, is yes, that God has a vision for what he wants the world to be and that we have a chance to add to the pos- add positively to the changes that can take place to change it. And this, the reason why I know this can happen is because of the second thing. He secondly says that we have power from him for achieving this vision. He specifically says, you wait To the apostles. You wait for my Holy Spirit to come on you. And when he does. Things are going to happen. Because you're going to have his power with you. Well you read the rest of the book of Acts. And you know what it is? It's the story of the Holy Spirit. Working powerfully in the life of the church. To transform the world. It's what it's about. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Instead of the Acts of the Apostles. Because what it is, is the Holy Spirit working powerfully in the lives of these people to transform the world. And if he did it then, he can do it again. And if he can use that sorry bunch of fishermen and unschooled Philistines. Well, they weren't Philistines, they were Jews, but the preacher got carried away for a moment. You have unschooled men. The one thing that they have going with them going for them, is Jesus and the fact that he has been with them. And he's transformed their lives. And so this ragtag kind of bunch, one of whom we think may have even been a murderer, one who we know is a thief, one who's a tax collector, he takes them and he transforms the world using those 12 guys. Well, I look out here this morning and I think, man, there's way more talent here than there was in the apostles. We've got way more knowledge than they had. And we have the same spirit and the same Jesus with us as what they had. So can the world be changed through a group of people like this? Of course. Of course it can. And he says specifically, I'm going to give you my power to make that happen. The third thing he gives us in this passage is a role to play. He says, I'm going to give you a role here in my kingdom. I'm going to give you a responsibility. In fact, he says, I can't do it without you. I have to have you in the game. You need to be players. And so he says, you will be my witnesses. It's going to start right here in Jerusalem. It's going to move out to the rest of Judea. It's going to go to the surrounding area of Samaria. It's just going to go to the ends of the earth. That you're going to have a chance to be players in 
the gospel be going out to the world. And so, God says he, prov- he provides us with a vision of his kingdom. He gives us a power for, for, for fulfilling that specific vision. And then he gives us a role to play and responsibility within that kingdom in order to make it happen. Well, I don't know about you, but that provides me with a great deal of hope about what can happen for us. It provides me hope in, in terms of what we can do. We look limited. It looks like it's not so hopeful. I'm not going to send you back to Georgia. I'm not going to send you back to Mississippi with hope. I'm going to say, go to Tuscany with hope. Go to Castle Ridge with hope. Go into Rundle with hope. Go to Airdrie with hope. Because God is capable of transforming our lives their lives, and society through us as God works through us to minister in our world. And so I wrote my own little speech. And it goes like this. As a fellow Christian of yours, I have a vision and dream today. I have a dream that our church, the one that meets at 4030 Maryvale Drive, will help people to see that their lives can be different. That they don't have to be controlled by addictions, by selfishness, or by greed. I have a dream that they'll help broken lives to be made whole. That the church won't just be an isolated community that meets here on Sunday mornings, but that on each day of the week, we'll live for Christ in our communities and have an impact on those we meet. I have a dream that we will daily witness powerfully and effectively to the glory of Christ and the gospel so that men and women can hear that their sins can be forgiven, that their lives can start over because of God's love for them, and that the Holy Spirit can live within them and change their lives. I have a dream that God will use us to help people see what they can become in Him, to see that by living not for themselves, but for God, that things can be different for them and different for those around them. I have a dream that the wealthy and the well-off will become outward-focused servants. I have a dream that the have-nots will have what they need because Christians from our church help them. I have a dream that each Christian here will refuse to focus on what they want, on what they don't have, on what someone else has done to them, on the ways the church doesn't meet their needs, and instead focus on what God is doing in their lives, on what He wants to do through them, on what they can do for others. I have a dream that through our ministry, those who don't know the Lord, who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, will have their eyes opened and come to see His glory as the Master of the universe. I have a dream that they can become disciples of Christ, fully devoted to following Him and living for Him in our world. This is what I see as the vision for the church when we see the kingdom that comes upon us. This is what I see as the vision for the church when His Holy Spirit falls upon us. This is what I see as His goal for each of our lives. We are His witnesses of the new kingdom He's bringing into the world through us. There's a question that should be on everyone's lips this morning. It's not, how can I expand my investment portfolio? It's not, I wonder if I can afford season tickets. It's not, should I get an iPod 4 now when I know there's soon going to be an iPod 5. 
It's not, I wonder if I have more time that I can spend in the mountains. These aren't necessarily horrible questions, but these are not the questions of this morning. That's because they're not questions that focus on Christ. This morning, ask the question that focuses on Christ and his kingdom. Ask this question, how can I be his witness? How can I give witness to him? What do I have to change? What priorities do I have to set? What sacrifices can I make? What do I need to learn? What do I need to change within myself? How should my attitudes and approach to life be different? What will life look like for me and my family if I'm to have an impact for the kingdom? How can I be his witness? That's the question that you need to ask this morning. All those other questions, those are the questions the world asks. And we're supposed to be asking different questions about our lives and the impact that God wants us to have. And so I do have a dream. And I hope it's yours. I think it's God's. That he wants us to have an impact in our world and he wants to use us as his witnesses to make it happen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have of being your children. Thank you, God, for giving us your kingdom, your power, and a role to play. And Father, I pray that you would help us to fulfill that role. Help us to to look inward, each one of us, into our lives and ask the question of how we can positively influence our world for you, how we can make a contribution to the kingdom. And help us to leave here today and go back to our communities filled with the hope of the reality that that can happen. Thank you that you give us the strength to make it happen. Thank you for the presence of your spirit in the life of the church. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.